Hello, this is the house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability, domestic violence, incest, rape. Let's see, mm, cultural culpability of tolerating abuse and assault of our neighbors and friends and how we can change to make things better. Uh, other topics, <clears throat> let's see, emancipation, foster care, therapy, Buddhism, BDSM, kink, um, therapy, recovery, uh, agnosticism, atheism, um, scientific data and theories, uh, God, uh, these topics, yes, uh, yeah, that's a good start. All right, here we go, percolating along. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Hey, maybe some of these topics are things that are a little bit triggering or strong right now for you. You can choose, you can consent, you can say, hey, that sounds like some big stuff. What's going on? Maybe I got to check this out. I'm kind of curious. You might also say, um, I, I just can't, I'm in a tender spot right now, or I'd like to focus on something different. Maybe kayaking is on your mind, for example. Well, uh, you know, you got some options here. I like consent. I like people choosing and I like people realizing they've got choices when they don't know they got choices. Cause I think part of it's educating yourself on that. Uh, anyway, so there's a disclaimers, got some consent. Oh, I'm not a professional therapist. If mental health things are kicking up with you, I, I encourage you to seek mental health, uh, help. Uh, there's county health departments, there's support groups, there's books, there's meditation. Um, we got options here and we're each responsible for our own mental health happiness. That's our job. Inside job, they say. <clears throat> okay, well, what's going on today? It's about 10.30, 2021, date-wise, and it's about um, 5 a.m. in the morning. We got a theme today and I'll kind of percolate up next to it as I'm sitting here with a big thick warm coffee mug from a coffee shop I spent several years writing inside the doors of. Uh, that environment is uh, one of my main study halls and it was one of the big places I learned about people to write about people to get my bachelor's in that topic of that task. but. Um, Today, the coffee shop's closed, and I've got some warm chamomile tea, and I'm taking a break. <clears throat> uh, I've spent the past four and a half hours this morning talking to an AI researcher uh, that Shower Name Nameless on a particular uh, testing site that Shower Name Nameless. Um, the past two or three weeks, I've had pretty steady work with a... Um, a programming company that was working through a, another company to harvest the work, I suppose. And I've spent a couple of weeks talking to a program training it, which means that uh, I've spent, I've had mm, easily over, probably mm, over a thousand conversations with this program. 
<clears throat> and uh, or at least interactions I'll say for sure and it's it's a kind of frustrating but it's also kind of fun because if you think about it the goal is to in this particular case is to try to train this program to respond effectively to queries of advice as an assistant and so uh, they encourage you to throw what you can at it and um, as a person who's interned for software companies uh, and was later a network administrator um, there were parts of my job that were trying to crash software. Um, they used to call them beta bashes or beta bug batches. Beta bug bashes at one software company that shower name nameless, but we know you know the we know you know the name of. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, they, they that particular company, the way they'd entice us workers to stay overnight and work or stay till midnight and work was uh, they had plenty of money. See, so they'd cater food and they bring in a bunch of food from a great restaurant in town and maybe it was a more expensive restaurant, but they just have a big old trays of their food set up with heaters and uh, they'd buy you a really good meal in your office. Right. And uh, that particular software company had refrigerators full of every Coke product, every Pepsi product, every milk product, everything you might need to drink right, for free. See, uh, cause they knew they'd get more hours out of you on your salary income if you stayed and, you know, but anyway, uh, I just remember those bug bashes where we try to crash the software and then we'd report it. And if we got good bugs that we could confirm and replicate, we get prizes, you know, so uh, you get little trinkets and things around the desk and then you'd have these strange little collections that you trade for other software nerds because that's what you did to pass the time when you was having your brains bleeding out of your head because you was up all night trying to get the server back up because several hundred people can't work and you, it's your brain is going to make it work, right? So anyway, that's not my case today. <laughs> Thank fuck. Oh, but part of it is uh, if you want to have work where you're not having a manager, uh, you know, maybe you got social anxiety or maybe you spent 15, 20 years slogging it out and it was a, wasn't a fair, even playing field. So you tried to figure out a way that you could manage it without losing lots of sleep over going to work, right? Well, in this case, I guess it's a four or five in the morning on a Saturday morning talking to a AI program, asking it all kinds of things. The nice thing about this particular work is um, <laughs> you're having a conversation with a program. So uh, they have areas that they allow you to ask about. So part of them is, well, ask about a famous singer or ask about a famous artist. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I've listed off over 100 different artists and musicians and poets. <laughs> the last one I was interacting with was about uh, Giovanni Jacopo Casanova. And before that, it was Nietzsche. And uh, yeah, I was <laughs> I'm like, oh, what do you think of? What do you think of Friedrich Nietzsche? What, what do you think about nihilism? You know, and you're like asking this program and, and it, you're just watching it, trying to respond. And uh, it's fascinating trying to crack it and break it, but also build it. And um, it gets pretty creepy because when you've been inside, when you've been inside the brain of a program like that for a week, you know, it's like there's, it's almost like a room. And uh, it's almost like you can go in and you know, okay, there's the kitchen, there's there's the bathroom, there's the <laughs> there's the door out back. You know everything because you've been you've been hammering it and spending fifty, sixty hours a week talking to it or working with it. Um, and I think that's one way you end up getting better at anything. Um, there's a dance instructor of mine that 
the night before a big audition, she talked to me about organic progression, meaning that if you only have five dance moves, maybe you can walk forward and walk back, or maybe you do a hip circle, or maybe you do a shimmy or whatever. If you can walk forward and walk back, if you can change direction with it, if you can slow it down and speed it up, if you can make the move bigger or smaller, well, you got one move that's now five moves, right? And then if you have only five moves, well, you got five different ways to do each move. And now you got 25 moves, see? Organic progression. Anyway, <clears throat> so uh, to survive, my brain has been swimming in a computer program for a couple weeks, talking to it uh, and trying to get it to interact with me uh, or see what it does for offering advice and giving it constructive feedback, right? I'm sure this is pretty fascinating, but it's one way to survive and it's one way to pay your bills. And also if you like solving puzzles, uh, it's fun. They also call it QA. Uh, I think I'm kind of doing QA in some ways, but um, anyway, so I'm taking a break because I'll be working more tonight to make sure my bills are paid. And I just, I just finished a big goal. Uh, so I got to, you know, I can rest for a day or two, but um, this work is good, decent work. And I'm, compulsive about it because when it's gone, it's gone with this type of a gig work. So you have this compulsion when you find good work because you spend so much time trying to find work. You know, when you find good work, you'll just keep hammering it over and over and over again. Right. So, uh, so if you have some compulsion issues, like I said, there's some work that you can do. I'm not saying it's healthy, but you can kind of repeat it over and over again. So, so anyway, exploring uh programming and trying to train software while trying to hammer it with a bunch of different historical artists has been kind of my forte the thing is i can do it faster it, the, the work i get paid better if i made it simpler but i need to enjoy the process right so <laughs> so i'm slowing down and i'm sitting there going do ai programs feel pain do you exist? Are you conscious? You know, it's really, you're sitting there watching this program going, uh, <laughs> because I, don't you think about that? Don't you wonder about that? I mean, as a person who's, I've been in the cases of easily over a thousand computers, probably more to several thousand. Uh, well, over 15 year, I'd say a couple thousand at least easy. Uh, several hundred for sure. Um, in some cases, I'd have one one side I'd be in twelve hundred slot machines in their casino, uh, checking out their motherboards and all their uh, meters. You know, so it's like, yeah, I'd probably been in literally thousands of PCs. So um, you wonder about, you know, we have central nervous systems and parts, and so sometimes when you learn how a computer's put together, you know, the central processor, the power supply, the hard disk, you know, the memory, the video, all these little things, where you're like humans are kind of like that but the difference is you know we have a soul and a spirit so today what we're going to be talking about is uh hey you got a lot of hard shitty work you got to do to get through the fucking day well i do <laughs> and maybe there's better ways to do it but you know what bills are paid i'm present you know I, my groceries are here i got a couple weeks groceries i've got good health exercising my diet's decent well i'm being generous there's been a lot of coffee and nibbling on ice cream and fig bars and things I could put in my mouth that were easy to fix because with executive function issues, sometimes it's like, that's as good as it's going to get today because I've just talked to a computer about 
Diego Rivera's artwork and how the intersectionalism of, you know, the common worker goes into socialism. And <laughs> like I said, if you're going to be making only, you know, 10, 15 bucks an hour talking to an AI program in the middle of the night out here in the country, you know, <clears throat> have some fun, right? I mean, if you're going to be making, you know, shit pay or just survivable pay, have some fun, do some art with it, right? Okay. So here's some things I'm thinking about today. Uh, a behavior that has been going on a lot this week and is a behavior for decades I've leaned on when I am frustrated. Um, uh, my grandma used to tell me to sing. She used to tell me to sing when, or when I was getting frustrated. She's like, well, come on, whistle while you work, you know, which was a popular song out of a popular movie right around then. Uh, and so singing it, to vent our frustration was a main way to change our energy. Um, uh, let's see, you know, uh, my family had singers and, um, I was in mixed ensembles and there was a lot of performing with groups. Um, and I'm grateful for that process because, uh, you know, after 50 to hundred concerts, you're familiar with the stage and you know how to take up space and you know how to deal with the awkwardness of an unfamiliar environment. There's a way you get used to knowing, okay, it's a different stage. I just need five or six things. Let's make sure they're lined up, you know, so you kind of just, it's a different location. Let's see what I need, you know, and um, <clears throat> that begets a, a sense of confidence. Although the singing has always been interesting to me. What is the energy of singing? Because I think we've all had that experience of listening to a vocalist where, you know, for some reason, whatever note or phrase or tune for example i i don't <clears throat> there's a song by celine dion called the heart will go on from the titanic movie that was quite popular and is a bit of a ballad and very melodramatic and this intellectual part of me goes oh that's so over the top and so popular forget it the emotional part of me says i saw that movie with my mother and the rifle range guy and his wife before they got divorced. We all saw Titanic together in the theater. And I just remember listening to that song by Celine Dion, you know, near, far, wherever you are, the heart will go on. And there's that part where she's just belting that shit out, you know, and I try to sing it and then I blast my voice out because it's not quite my range, but it's extremely powerful. And that song can bring me to my knees and make me cry. Okay, and there's something so strong about that. We all understand that. But, you know, hair raising on the back of your neck. Well, grandma in her poverty and mama in her poverty, you know, grandma couldn't sing all that well, but she would sing and whistle to keep it because we had a lot of grinding hard work to do. Coal miner's daughter type of thing, Loretta Lynn, which was a favorite with my mom. So she loved her music and she loved the mo the movie and I loved the movie too growing up Sissy Spacek Sissy Spacek kicked it out of the park on that one so did uh, Tommy Lee Jones Tommy Lee Jones they were fantastic in that movie <clears throat> um singing is a very powerful tool for me and for example when I'm pissed off or I can't find something <laughs> I'll be slowly walking around my apartment going I can't find my fucking glasses where are my fucking glasses I got to put the fucking glasses on because I got to work, motherfucker. Oh, and I'm, I'm walking around making up songs the whole time going, you know, and the, the music helps me figure it out. <laughs> it's like the music leads me to the thing or makes it enjoyable along the way. You know, um, I don't know which begets which, although the process 
helps me find things better or helps me be happier while I'm doing it, especially if I'm overwhelmed. And as soon as I'm done recording this, I'll be working. I'll be logging back into that work set and pulling those AI programs and trying to figure out which historical picture I'm going to try to, maybe I'll talk about, oh, Isaac Newton. I'll talk to them about that in the AI program today. Maybe that's the next kick. But let's talk about the singing thing because anybody can sing, whether you're good or bad at it. And it's something that changes my demeanor and changes my mood, much like meditation. Meditation sometimes takes a lot more um, focus, focus and I have to be prepared to be present, which emotionally I'm not always ready for. And sometimes I need some distance just to survive. But... Um, being aware of your context, right? That's a good start. So this is what we're going to, uh, I'm going to share a source here. And we're going to go ahead and jump off of here, okay? This is about singing and why my grandma in her poverty and whatever she was, whose apron I was wearing today while I was doing some tasks around the house because it makes me feel good, even though she's been dead over 30 years, but I still got her apron and I'm still cleaning the house in it. Um, she would talk to me about singing and she knew enough that even showed she wasn't the best singer. Uh, like she used to say, if you, hey, kid, you better line yourself up. If you don't, I'm going to start singing. And so that, would, that would be her threat because she couldn't sing. <laughs> but anyway, um, and, and we'd laugh and then we'd sing something silly. But um, I want to talk about the science a little bit on this. So I'd like to refer to an article from the BBC. I'll have the links in my notes after this goes up uh, here today. But um, the article is from the BBC and the article is called The World. Okay, let me start that again. It's from the BBC. The article's called The World's Most Accessible Stress Reliever. The World's Most Accessible Stress Reliever. And it's written by Sarah Keating, and it's in May of 2020. So let me tell you the reference I was thinking about specifically. Okay, in this article, quote, When we sing, large parts of our brain light up with activity, says Sarah Wilson a clinical neuropsychologist and head of the School of Psychological Sciences at the University of Melbourne. She led a study which looks at how the brain reacts when we sing by giving volunteers a varying vocal ability, MRI scans, as they warbled. Quote, there is a singing network in the brain which is quite broadly distributed, Wilson says. When we speak, the hemisphere of the brain dealing with language lights up as we might expect. When we sing, however, both sides of the brain spark to, into life. Quote, we also see involvement of the emotion networks of the brain, quote, adds Wilson. Regions that control the movements we need to produce sounds and articulation also light up. So this is from that article which I just referred to. Uh, the reason I bring that up right now is uh, singing is very powerful in my body. And it's something that I can reach for quick when I'm in a tight squeeze. And I've, you know, uh, I've been using a lot of uh, speech-to-text uh, translator to do some of my work uh, to help my hands because uh, I have to ergonomically manage my hands because I'm on a keyboard a lot of hours yeah, every week. But there's some real knowledge in what's being shared there in that article. And um, I guess... Mm, there's a lot of gratitude to that. I'm also going to kick to a concept book called The Gossamer Axe. The Gossamer Axe. And I don't have the author's name off the top of my head, but the concept, yeah. And I may have mentioned the reference. I think I mentioned the reference to this book in the past. <clears throat> 
it's a sci-fi book. It's a fantasy book. Uh, I like the book because it's about women who are musicians, who are bisexual or lesbians, and are strong. And, you know, some of the main love interests are women being in love with women and trying to be together through time, you know. And there's this concept that the book talks about um, where the guitarist or the musicians or the drummers are playing their music and they can feel their earth or their time or their space shifting. And it's what they use and that's their tool is their music. They shift the energy uh, and this with sound and then they're able to rip through time and go to these other locations to be in different historical times or historical times, right? Now, <clears throat> I think a lot of us have seen a lot of movies, you know, about sci-fi and the like, and sometimes ghost stories are more interesting when they're not real. Because when they are real, you know, some people want to exploit it. Some people just want to talk about it. And, you know, my time and my experience is worth money, you know, and I'll trade my time for money, you know, um, when talking about stuff like this. And that's kind of difficult because there's this, you know, a lot of judgments about how people do that. And if we just say people's time is valuable and they need to be compensated for it, that's the first basis. But how that gets done after that is, is the next part. And if you have perceptions about the value of your time, that might be kind of confusing to sort, see. Although, <clears throat> I have to say in my poverty, financially, right, um, these days sometimes, and maybe this is a bit, you know, victim or martyr, but um, there's a series called True Detective that Matthew McConaughey and, uh, is it Woody Harrelson? Yes, they were the lead singer, lead singers, lead actors in the first year of that show. Um, that first season of that show, I still have images in my mind from because they were so strange and beautiful and odd, you know. Um, the ending of that series, the first season was like, I don't even understand the ending somewhat, but it made complete sense. You know what I mean? And then there's other parts where it falls kind of flat. But um there's a actor, Matthew McConaughey, plays a character who told the truth to power and paid a heavy price for it. And he also made some bad choices about boundaries, perhaps with his co-workers, partners. So that's another conversation. Although that scene in that, that series is something I still think about. And I, I say thank you for making that series because I had some good thoughts about that scene uh, with Matthew McConaughey and the, um, yeah, that was an amazing scene. Anyway, <clears throat> Matthew McConaughey plays a character who's working in a bar and he's got a drinking problem, but he's got a few friends that are kind of his network. But the thing is, he doesn't have to work for the police. He doesn't have to be told that the truth to power that he told was too inconvenient and they were going to attack him for sharing truth about a pedophile that needed to be arrested. Um, and his character kind of has a small little life, or a, um, not a small life, a quiet life where he's safe and serene and maybe he drinks too much, but he's, it's lined up and he's safe, you know, even if he's in a little box and even though he's got the person, he's got the soul to catch that predator, see, and ain't nobody else got it except for him. That's why Woody Harrelson came to him and said, whatever we've been through, we got to save this character. We got to get that pedophile. So... <clears throat> I feel a little bit like that character, how I'm just kind of getting by out here in the woods, but everything is understandable. And you'll go to, you'll go to the haunches and you'll go and stand up and protest and whistle blow and, and they'll say, shut the fuck up, right? So you'll go, okay, I'll just spend my time quietly in the woods <laughs> making, uh, making uh, you know, minimum wage 
you know, talking to an AI program at, you know, four in the morning on a Saturday, right? <laughs> hey, you know, it's one way to live. I don't know. It's better than some. Anyway, uh, but what, what happened today that was good? Well, uh, showed up, did my prayer, did my meditation, made a commitment to a podcast about a house on Valencia Street that I'm still talking about. Um, learning how to survive what we live through and somehow, some way, you know, there's all kinds of ways to live. Emily Dickinson lived in an attic, you know, and we appreciate her more after her death than in her life, you know. I think we all have little nuggets or pieces of beauty that maybe others don't understand. Or maybe you've grown out of your work. For example, my poetry in my mid-twenties and thirties was quite erotic and poetic and powerful. However, it lacked a maturity that a couple decades gave me that I can look back at and go, well, that was kind of sensation-based, and it was a bit, mm, I think we could have written that a little better, see. But then again, maybe it had something that I, a spark that's been a little bit oh, ameliorated these days, right? Hard to say. Mm. I'm glad there were some risks I took, for sure. Although these days, I don't know. Maybe opted for a little quiet tea in the wilderness, thinking about how your body changes when you sing and how that could be a secret superpower if we know how to work it, right? I think I'll probably round out with this image. I'm thinking about, is it Tony... Uh, I left my heart in San Francisco. That little man, Tony, that big man, that big, huge guy, that Tony, that singer dude. <laughs> oh, I don't have any memory problems. I haven't been hammering my head on an AI program for four hours this morning. Um, uh, Tony Bennett. Oh, I got to it. Thank you, Gold Star. I got to it. Tony Bennett. Yeah, he's got some memory problems. But guess what? Lady Gaga is working with him right now. And I think they're producing art together because he's a mature man. He's His you know capacity has shifted and changed over time, but he can sing. Whatever his memory issues are, he can sing. And that goes back to study. Why is singing such a powerful thing and a simple thing that, you know, they talk about, you know, there's all kinds of songs that people who've been in hardship over decades and millennia have sung over time. Hell, even Sappho, who was a lyric poet, she would sing and make music while she had, you know, her art, her words. You know, and words can be art in the right mind and mouth, I suppose. <laughs> or ear, perhaps. Yeah. Well... I appreciate you coming down to the fire. My fireplace is lit up and I got a candle going and a cup of tea here and got some old books. Who would have thunk it? Here's my grace for today. Let me tell you what. I've got some books that I had and owned when I was in the house on Valencia Street sitting on a pillow right next to me. It's on a camping chair with some pillows on it because, well, I may not have the prettiest furniture, but it's quite functional. And, uh, I've got a little book stand where I can read an old anthology of several authors and writers and poets. And this little book that was given to me by my mother at the house on Valencia Street is an anthology that I'm looking through and I'm using it to create topics for work for an AI program so I can make it think and compare and contrast. So there are still secrets and gifts from that house. 
And it makes me feel good to hold a book in the hand that that little kid, me, had. That feels real good. Yeah. So, anyway, thank you for sharing my solitude and my uh, Rosie the Riveter or Norma Jean, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> I'm going to be getting back at it. I think there'll be some ice cream and cannabis before I start back at this work. Uh, and I can't confirm or deny if I smoke cannabis while I'm talking to a program on a computer for two weeks straight. But, you know, do what you got to do. And if your work's passable and people are happy about it, hell, how many fucking musicians got on stages drunk and drugged out of their brain? You know, hello. Um, <laughs> you know, they somehow, someway, that was art. Somebody said, you know, so, okay, well, whatever. So, hey, um, thanks for coming down to the house on Valencia Street. Um, Maybe singing is something you could do today or humming a tune to help you get through the day. I know sometimes uh, I'll get a dirge. Is it dirge or dredge? I, I always mix that word up. You probably heard me say that in the past here, but singing always helped me get through the days, you know, and decades later, there's Alzheimer's patients that are famous singers that can't keep track of all kinds of memory problems because they're diagnosed with Alzheimer's. But they can get up on a damn stage and sing that song they've been singing 20 decades or well, that's that's uh, 20 years or more. That's more accurate. Yeah. Sometimes I make language mistakes. See? <laughs> Thank you for coming to the house on Valencia Street today. And uh, please know that you're not alone. You ain't never alone, even if you're going through the slug and even if your knees are getting through the dirt. I got some bruises on my knees from some scrubbing and some housework I was doing this, this week here. Uh, but no, you're never alone. You ain't never alone on the house on Valencia Street. Sometimes it's whether you like it or not. I got faith you got a voice that can sing. And maybe if your voice ain't singing today, maybe you can sing it in your mind. Because sometimes that brain is a powerful tool. And hell, I'll sing me a tune if it's going to make me feel better. Yeah, all right. 